and like just breaking down like the weird. I have to be this way to be a per- <laughs> honest. Yeah. Uh, here we are. Yeah, here we are. I actually already started recording. So mm. This is Marvelous. it's going. It's it's going. Oh, cool. Uh, this is another episode of the artistic director with Jacob Alexander Ferg. I'm sitting here with Zach Wymore. I really want to. Zach, do you want to describe what the scene of you is right now, or should I? Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Okay. So I. So an hour ago, I got two coffees, and then in the last half hour, I had two <laughs> tropical storms. Tropical storms. <laughs> um, so let's just—I'm not one, but two tropical storms deep into this world. I'm eating a couple of handmade chicken sandwich sliders in my apartment. I've got my—this should not exist. <laughs> Boxed wine, <laughs> handy drink, and I am ready to talk about shit. Yeah, and I love, I think if I've ever heard a name of an alcoholic drink that you're only supposed to have one of, it's a tropical storm. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, no, no one should have more than one. I mean, they are they are delicious. It's a coconut puree. Okay, yeah, it's a, a, that sounds it's really a, good. I don't want to, like, buzz market on your podcast. No, it's fine. It's, it's a Rachel Ginger beer. Okay. It's one of their mixed... Iced concoctions. I cannot recommend it enough. Okay, awesome. Very um, tasty. Very tasty. Uh, great. So now that the scene is set, <laughs> um, <laughs> for the listeners who don't know who you are, can you just give a mm-hmm. brief history of the performance of Zach Wymore? However, you want to spin that, whatever you want to include and not include. Great. Uh, yeah. That sort of brought you to what whatever you've done recently. Perfect. Pause for wine sip. Yeah. I'm going to have to leave that in now that you said it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> please. So I, I grew up in Spokane. Mm-hmm. In I the, did also kind of. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. in that Spokane, Washington. And I grew up in like a weird... Um, like my neighbors had horses, but we didn't. <laughs> world of like, there's no kids out here. There's nothing to do. Like, yeah. what, what are we going to do? We're going to play video games? We're going to imagine shit. And so like I was brought up in a childhood of... Me and me alone, with the, with, with the video games and the imagination. So Are you an only child? No. Okay. So okay. I, have, I have an older brother. I um, but he, I mean, like, it's a four-year difference, so, like, we never went to high school at the same time. And I think what that does to a person, like, at a young age, it just, it really encourages you to just make your own shit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like if you are part of, like, a neighborhood gang... Of children, right? If you are, like, a little rascal situation, like, you, you're already being exposed to, like, group dynamics and, like, roles, and, like, oh, cool, I'm the funny one, or, oh, I'm, like, the leader, oh, I'm, like, I'm, like, the tough kid. I had none of that. Like, so I, I didn't have to define myself for a very long time. And so what that allowed me to do was explore many different parts of myself as, like, a child, like, child psychology, which is, it's, like, (laughs) <laughs> and I scoff because it's just there's so much there. Yeah, you know, like cool. imagine spending 17 years anywhere. Yeah, you get so much experience doing a shit, especially when you don't have anything before that. Right, it's like that is the only just, thing that you've had. I've got 17 years of this. Yeah, and then once you leave that, uh, I don't know. That that really sets a baseline that I feel like a very few people like give gravitas to. It's like, well, I started in the professional world. It's like, okay, no, 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 no. Like, you were a little baby girl, or a boy, or whatever. I mean, one in three children have weird genitalia. <laughs> you can quote me on that. 
that that's I don't know. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Yeah, moving forward, I don't know. I feel like people don't often give like this huge part of your life, this like tremendous foundation for like how you think, how you go about the world, like how like that's going to inspire so many different things and just like, well, I went to this place and I met this guy and he was very cool and then I, well, I wanted to do this and blah, blah, blah. Like, what were you doing when you still believed in Santa? That's going to affect you. It's mm. a good way to think of it. It's like, what were you doing? Where were you right. when you still believed in Santa? Right. I mean, we were all there, maybe. Well, yeah, what was the, I guess if you weren't ever presented the idea of Santa. Right. Then it's like, then you're but like, that's... <laughs> I don't mean those people. Yeah. I was never prevented the idea yeah. of Santa. Yeah. Presented. Prevented. Prevented. Presented. Yeah. What was the question? Uh, oh, just like, what What? Uh, what have you done? Okay. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, the, so, I guess the history of Zach. Great. Warren. Okay, cool. So we, yeah, we, we got past 17 year old. Zoom in. I'm a 12 year old shot. Okay, yeah. now. Yeah, so I grew up in Spokane, had a lot of imagination time. Then I, I went to this high school, Lewis and Clark High School, which was, like, the fucking beginning of the end, like, it, so I was in a high school improv, well, not improv, but a high school performing troupe, like, a let's put on a show, we went to, like, libraries, we did all this weird stuff, it's called Box and Hat, it was between all the high schools in Spokane, um, my brother was involved with that, and then I did this Spokane Civic Theater camp every summer, Mm-hmm. Very based in musical theater. Like, so I grew up on musical theater. And my high school did three musicals a year. Which is insanity. That's like, too, money, too much. It's too money. It's too much. It's, it's like too that, muchy. That's too muchy. That dollar sign, dollar sign. Too much money. But yeah, we did literally three musicals a year. And so I, by the time I was fucking 18, we can swear. On the, on the you can swear. <laughs> Fuck you! Okay, sorry. No. That, that was the only swear swear to cuss for cusses sake. Yeah, I'm gonna edit the whole... Your episode is just gonna be you saying fuck you. And I'm gonna cut everything else that we do. Please. Oh my god. Just two seconds. Hey, Zach Weber. Fuck you! Alright, that was Zach. Um, no, I... Uh, uh, also, okay, one other thing that we're gonna learn in this. Uh, my train of thought... Which I attribute a little bit to improv, a little bit, mm-hmm. um, and just being like a present person, also <laughs> being quite drunk at the moment. Yeah. Um, it'll it'll leave the station, so you may have I to see. rein me back I'll in. I'll be, yeah, I'll, please. I'll have the lasso. Yeah, please. But, yeah, so by the time I was 18, I'd done like 25 musicals. Holy shit. I know. It's insanity. That's too many. It was just like, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to keep doing it. Yeah. And so I, by that point, I had really been given the opportunity to work on how I want to be an actor. You know, like, I'd gotten over, like, the, well, it's a show. Well, people are watching me. Well, it's like, how do I want to present myself in the working environment? How do I want to present myself um, to a director, to a cast I mean, to any, you know, like, how do I want to make this artistry? Because at some point, like, the the blinding glare of this is new wears off. Yeah, definitely. And it becomes a craft. And it's just you um, making kind of artistic 
philosophical decisions on how you gonna be in the room. You know? Yeah, yeah. How like, you exist in front of totally. People. Like there, there's the performing aspect, and there is the how am I going to present myself to my fellow creators, to my to my other artists in the room? We're collaborating here, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, and so I got this just amazing opportunity to practice that before I was even in college. That's which, huge. Oh, yeah. oh my god! Like, like people don't really like. In in my experience, people do not emphasize how important it is to work the muscles. Yeah, the foundation that you set for yourself. Yeah, and not only in a performance sense. Like that, yes, of course that's important. Being talented, being skilled, like learning your shit, of course. But like, just being a human being in the room with other human beings trying to do a thing. Like that. Yeah. Oh my god. Because people put so much like weird veneer on that, like professionalism. Yeah, I see. And this like... Well, I don't respect this or that. You know, it's like, I don't know. Like, let's all have a potluck. Like, let, let's all have a dinner. Like, first thing first, like, we're, we're doing a creative thing together. Let's get to know each other. Yeah. Let's. It's huge. Yeah. Let's, like, see what we're all up to personally. And then, like, that will absolutely support the work. So. For sure. Uh, so. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, please. So, don't know uh, where that tangent came from. You were the artistic director of the Dead Parrot Society. Alongside Co. Co. Co, yeah, alongside Jake Barrow. At, at, at one point, we will have to do a me and Jake Together. combo combo team. I think I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try to get Jake Barrow at some point on this. Uh, oh my god. You should do, okay, you should do a, <laughs> you should do a drunken eating Zach one. You should do a Jake Barrow one, and then you should do a me and Jake one. Hmm, Okay. Oh, I thought you were going to be, like, a compliment to drunken eating, like, high and drinking or something like that. Okay, no, do that. Yeah. Get Jake Jake more fucked up than I am. Yeah. And then do that one. And then we'll both be like, oh, yeah. (laughs) You know. Yes. I I do know. (laughs) Yeah. So, so I just, I guess, how is that experience of being a co-artistic director um, with Jake Barrow in the Dead Bear Society? Uh, yeah. Sort of usurping this role of this like pretty talented, very like you know, I guess high standards, not high strung, but high standards sort of group. Yeah, I mean, so you say usurping? That ma- that makes me feel like I stole it. Yeah, I guess usurp is the wrong word. Yeah, I mean, there was a there was a vote. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I like the word usurp phonetically. I mean, it's, it is it's a fun. It's word interesting. To say. It's interesting. Yeah. You're saying you. And it's only the letter U. Yeah. Yeah. Like, usurp. It's not Y-U, usurp. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that, so, <laughs> um, I mean, Parrots was, I, I mean, like, from, like, day one of going to Tuesdays, I wanted to be the very best, like no one ever was. Like, I, the one thing that I definitely do have is ambition, <clears throat> which I feel like is kind of a double-edged sword to have in the artistic field. Because when you have ambition and you're starting out, people can tell and people can, like, be like, oh, shit, this dude wants to do stuff. And, like, it it creates an interestingly competitive atmosphere. And, I mean, Dead Paris is interesting because it is a a college uh, improv group. And not only, like, a college improv group, but, like, Duh, fuck it. Like, yeah. And I had no idea, like, starting out as a freshman at Western, how 
influential how fucking important Dead Parrots yeah. was going to be. Like, I knew they were good going in, but I yeah. didn't, I had Me too. no idea. Like, I knew that like, we were oh. good, but I didn't know we were going to, like, win the fucking championship while I was yeah. in school. And, like, like, be in the final round year after year after year after year. Yes. It's just uh, crazy. It was, yeah, no, and, like, and to become an artistic director of that kind of program, right? Mm-hmm. So... Let's see here. If we rewind to the artistic directors before me, we had Chris Erickson for a little bit. Yeah. Then we had Miguel. Yeah. Vila. And then... Both of them are going to be on this. Chris's, Chris's episode is already out, actually. Oh, hey. Hey, Chris's episode. I'm Zach. I'm in the future. <laughs> and we're episodes, but like, whatever. I, I can say I can say hey. <laughs> that is two tropical storms for you. <laughs> that's, that's enough. It was it was interesting becoming a co AD after like Chris and Miguel, like they both had very um, different leading styles yeah. than I feel like me and Jake had, and like if you just look at the the idea of two people leading a group as opposed to one person leading a group, like, already you are encouraging democracy, you are encouraging groupthink, you are encouraging unanimous decisions, you are encouraging, like, this this idea that we all should agree on this thing yeah. before we do anything. Yeah. And looking back on it, it, it was a little paralyzing at times to be like, what do we all want? Like, it, 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 it that adds a I feel like philosoph philosophically 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 there it is got it philosophically this is why you're here yep the the not drunk one <laughs> this is why you the sober man are supporting me on my journey of spouting my philosophies but I I feel like when you open that can of worms of like, hey, like, I am the leader, yes, but like, before I make decisions, I want to have everyone's input. You, it just, it opens it up for a lot of bureaucracy. Yeah. Like, a lot of talking about talking, a lot of making decisions about making decisions. It, it, it opens it up to a lot of like, inaction. Okay, so look, if you have a leader, you know, and the general consensus is that, like, we're going to try to figure out something, but if the leader says we're doing this, we're doing this. That's, like, what a leader does. They lead, yeah. you know? <clears throat> if you have one person doing that, um, you only have one mind that has to decide things. You only have one person that's like, um, it's it's remarkably efficient. It is, yeah. oh, my God, you're going to get shit done. I mean, we won under Miguel. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, that's... and, like, he had, he had plans. He had, like... He was going, you know, and that was understood, you know, Mm -hmm. and you are allowed this, um, very, I mean, like just efficiency, like of of decision-making processes. So like rehearsals under Miguel were spent deciding things a little bit and rehearsing a shit ton. Yeah. Whereas I feel like me and Jake, when we were rehearsing, there was a lot more discussion. I think, I feel like a lot more people felt valid and heard, not to say that people weren't valid under Miguel, but, like, I would just say that, like, the decision-making process was more of a process. Yeah. It was more of, like, what do we all feel? All this stuff. Which is cool, but it's going to slow it down. 
it's gonna kind of convolute things that don't really need to be convoluted. Like people, like when everyone can voice their opinion on like what color should the shirt be, um, it and that doesn't really matter yeah. as much, you know. Like it, it, it does kind of. Yeah. But like you know, you're suddenly having like a 45 minute discussion on like what color our shirt should be as opposed to rehearsing. Yeah. Whereas if, if the artistic director were to just pick, it's like, oh, they're going to be purple, blue, and black. Exactly. And then you get the shirts, and then everyone's just happy. And yeah, they don't and you're even all... think about how it could be another color. Right. And I feel like in a... See, I am... I am. I would love to try another like co-artistic director position um, outside of a college atmosphere. Because in a college atmosphere, like, every... Like, that's when you're discovering your fucking voice. Yeah. Like, that is when you're, you're like, oh, I can vote! And like, oh, I can, like... I am important. Yeah. I, I, I can voice this shit. So, like, in a college group, opening the floor to people is great. But I cannot imagine a demographic more apt to discuss their views and argue about things that don't matter than college kids. Yeah, for you know? sure. Like, it's for just... Sure. And that's part of it. And I understand yeah. that I, 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 like, I support that. Like, please figure out, like, your political... And, like, artistic, philosophical point of views. Mm -hmm. Like, you need to do that. But as far as an artistic director, like, okay. So, like, artistic director, right? Like, what is, what? Actually, this is a great segue. Oh, please. Uh, yeah. To, so, I ask everyone the same question. There's one question that I always uh, ask the guests on this. Uh, and it's a big, ambiguous question. Great. It's sort of, we're already on this train of thought, but... Mm -hmm. <clears throat> You were sort of coming to the question, which is uh, simply, what is your artistic direction? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's. Ugh. I'm gonna rewind a second. Sure, please continue to please, answer please. the first question you please. asked. Me. Yeah, I know. Sorry, I was. I, I <laughs> no. just wanted to get this in. Oh, please. But you, it's there. <laughs> I mean, you are the engineer of this drunken, drunken train. Yeah, but you're the conductor. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. The like. Tail end of my like story that started off yeah. talking a lot about horses. I, Not that I took, much about horses. I mean, I took yeah. a, I took care of a horse. Enough, yeah, okay. I took care of a thirty year old horse. <laughs> fed him oats that smelled like good and plenty. <laughs> it was thunder. He died. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> the idea. <laughs> um. So I went to Western after Spokane. Was at Western Washington University, WVU, artistic director of Parrots, which is what we're talking about. And then after that, I went to the Actors Theater of Louisville, was an acting apprentice there for a year. And then after that, I got a manager and went to New York City and did that for a year and a half, like being like, the, hey, I want to be an actor and I'm 23. <laughs> and then I got wise. That's <laughs> how so I'm going to phrase it very politically. Yeah. And I came back to Seattle because I didn't want to be in New York at all. Like, I, I just made a decision. But artistic direction. So I only go back to my history just to like point out that while I was in Louisville, Kentucky, Actors Theater of Louisville, this is, I mean, it's where the Humana Festival takes place. It is one of the largest regional theaters in America. It like for a month, it becomes the epicenter of new American theater. It's a really cool place to be. If you ever are in Kentucky in like March, April, please go to the Humana Festival. Um, it's life-changing. Um, well, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's great. Yeah. That's really yeah. Good. But, what, so when I got there, the artistic director of that theater, it was his second year. And it, 
it was interesting to like, because so, this is a regional theater that's been around for 50 years, actually. Like, my year was the 50th anniversary of the theater. Whoa. The Humana Festival has been going on for 39, maybe 40 years at this point. And so this is Les Waters, it was his second year. And so it's like, how the fuck do you do that? Like, how do you take over a theater with its traditions? I mean, it's an organization that has things beyond you. And you suddenly are the artistic director of an artistic venture. So, like, you're not worried as much. You are worried. I mean, he was... He was just meeting with donors. <laughs> like, that's what he did. Like, he also directed shows and it was amazing. But, like, he had so many dinners that he didn't want to go to. Well, maybe he wanted to go to them. I, I don't want to put words in his mouth. But, like, you know, like trying to make a organization stay alive. Yeah. And artistically relevant. And so, as far as my artistic direction goes, it can, it can really only be, like, applied to parrots because that was my position. And it was kind of a interesting world to step into because our the parrots had been around for a long time yeah entirely student driven um this amazing kind of like pantheon of improvisers coming out of dead parrots like just so many yeah like talented people weirdly talented yeah just like strange amount of very talented people like like, why are we all here what are we doing like oh my god this is amazing yeah and recognizing that and so it's like my artistic direction, I would say, is is going to lean collaborative. It's going to lean more of a, what does everyone want to do? Because I feel like if you feel like you're heard, if you feel like you're part of the group, if you, if you honestly feel, and not just like, hey, we're going to vote on this, mm, I'm, we're doing it. But, like, if you honestly feel like you are part of, like, a group, and I say group as in, like, family, I say group as in, like, community, mm. uh, group, not only in just, like, an amount of people, but, like, we all know each other. We all get it. Yeah. Like, we're all here. You're just going to get higher quality shit. Like, when yeah. people feel respected, when people feel counted, when people feel like they are there, like, and not taken advantage of and not uh, overlooked, but like, hey, we're going to listen. Like, we all said this, and we're going to listen. And in Parrots, it was interesting because we had, like, a 12, I think between 11 and 13 member group while I was AD. Yeah. And that's not that many people. Yeah, no, it's a pretty standard amount of people, actually. Yeah, I mean, that's like a dozen folk. And, like... (laughs) You have time for a dozen folk. Like, you have you have time to, like, listen to what people want to do, what people don't want to do. And so what, I feel like when it comes to artistic direction for parrots, I had this idea... Well, first of all, I had a partner, when Jake. Yeah. And that, like, anytime you're co-artistic, you're co-anything, like, it does this weird thing where it takes a lot of responsibility off of you, mm-hmm. but it really glues you to a person. Yeah. And I I mean, I honestly could not think of a better person to glue myself to than Jake Barrow. It's pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That uh, was for you, Jake Barrow. That's, that's all for Jake. But yeah, we... I feel like we yin and yanged real well together. Yeah. Um, sure. I feel like if we were good cop, bad cop, he would be... He, like... He would probably be good cop, and I would be like, 
where were you cop? I don't know. Yeah. Like like bad cop, but even still, me was bad cop. Like, I'm I'm pretty nice. Pretty great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like we didn't have a bad cop. We're just two good cops. Good just, cop, you know, the classic good cop, good cop. Good cop, good cop, just like trying to like arrest folks and be like, you're probably fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we I mean we became remarkably close that year. We were close before, but like reading each other's thoughts, constant yeah. text messages, emails, just being like any decision that had to be made, like we were, it was a team. And and the cool thing about that is that, I mean, I was also doing an advised play that year in uh, Soapbox. Oh, yeah. And so I unfortunately had to miss some shit. And so Jake really like filled in those roles yeah, while I was gone. Sure. And like the few times that Jake, you know, had music stuff for like, ATUS things he had to do, I'd be like, yeah, of course. Or, you know, we, we watched each other's back, which is really cool. But, again, it, it does dilute the director part of, like, artistic director, to have more than one. Yeah. Dilutes only in the fact that, like, it takes two of you to make a decision. Yeah, I think the way that I'm looking at it is there are two people with two separate artistic visions, and even if you talk and collaborate with each yes. other... That that Venn diagram will never be a complete overlap. Exactly, and we had we had so much overlap, but yeah. you know, like there would be moments where and that's part of it. That's part of like the co-directorial ship is like I would make a decision or he would make a decision, and the other one of us wouldn't be there, and we had to give each other the okay to do that. Like yeah. that is essential for co-directorial ship. Just like if you need to make a decision, fucking make it. Like yeah. I trust you. Let's do this. It's the trust. Yeah. 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 And so there would be decisions that I would make just by myself or he would make by himself that, you know, the other person wouldn't be there for. And just yeah. like, it's not what I would have done, but, yeah. yep. you know, here we are. Like, and that, and that momentum forward, oh my God, fucking momentum in leadership. Like, I don't think people talk about that enough, but That's like. a huge deal, yeah. Yeah, like, if you can get. Nothing, nothing will like kind of kill a group or really make them start questioning shit than not going anywhere for a while. Like, yeah, you can like get done with a big project, a big show, whatever you want to do and have like a week or two of like debriefing and like mm-hmm. always do a postmortem. Okay. This is like going a little bit into my philosophy, but always do a postmortem. What, what do you mean by that? Okay. So like you do a thing, right? Yeah. As, as an organization, uh, talk about it. How did it go well? How did it not go well? That's how you learn. That's, yeah. that, that is like literally how you fucking do it. Like that is so integral, I think, to any organization, artistic or otherwise. So that is the, talking about how it was is in itself the the postmortem, correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's cool, like cool. So for instance, we do a festival, right? Yeah. It's like, oh my god, we did a festival, and we'll dedicate a rehearsal to be like, how to go? Yeah. What were the good things? What do we need to do differently next time? That's huge. Yeah. Yeah, because. The cool thing about being in a group, and especially, like, after a festival or after, like, a multi-day event, is you have so many different perspectives. You have so much different gray matter. Like, the the brains of so many different people you trust and love working together, and they're going to see things you don't. They're going to have different opinions and be like, whoa, we, like, if I'm not good at ticketing for some reason, like, my mind isn't just in that world of, like, ticketing... And suddenly someone in the group has this amazing idea for ticketing because they saw in the festival this thing went wrong. Mm. It's like, uh, thank you. That is why I believe 
artistically, directorially, philosophically, that collaboration will trump all. Yeah. Because you just have more people fucking doing shit. Yeah, and you need to set up the culture which allows people to feel comfortable voicing their opinion. Exactly. Uh, which takes time. And it you, does. You can't just be like, okay, now be open. Right. Please. Yeah. yeah. Like, you can't, you can't just, like, take a, like, after a festival and just, you could have that as fully rehearsal time, but if you take, you know, half the rehearsal or whatever and be like, hey, what did we all see that we liked? Like, what didn't work? Um, what were the main complaints we saw? How do we make it better next time? If you do those things and actually write them down, like, implement them, as an organization, you are only going to improve. Mm-hmm. That's not bad to 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 solely improve. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, that's, uh... and it, and it will take time. And it, you know that that is why it's not just a business. That's why you're not a production director or a you know a business director of a theater. You are the artistic director, so you have to you know anticipate what people want to see. In an improv troupe, it's so open ended. Yeah. Because it's like, cool, we're like, artistically, what, is, what do people want to see? Well, we can do anything. Yeah. So what, what, what do we do? Um, but, and, and this might be like uh, encroaching on the business director part of things, but just like making sure that the organization is a well-oiled vehicle that is constantly improving, doing postmortems, and, and not just for like, Practical shit like festivals, just like shows, yeah. doing notes like yeah. that's that's part of it. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty easy thing to do, but also a pretty easy thing not to do. Yes, yes, and just do them. Just do them. Just do yeah. notes. Just like if you are part of an artistic group, you all respect each other. You all know each other. Notes are not hard. Yeah, I, I've the weird thing. So when I spent time in New York, um. I was a part of a couple indie improv teams, and we would have to spend, you know, 60 bucks an hour hiring coaches for our rehearsals. Yeah. I was like, why are we doing this? Like, I've never had a coach before for a rehearsal. Why? Yeah. Why? Why? And I'm just like, well, so we don't have to give each other notes. And I so disagree with that. Like, I, I'm like, okay, cool. So we're going to be on stage together, but we don't trust each other. To give each other notes? Like, no. No. Yeah. I mean, and this is a little, you know, specific to improv, but you're in a group of people who you trust enough to be on stage with. Trust them enough to offstage tell you what worked and what didn't. You know? Uh, I do, yeah. This has been a crossroads that this podcast has had to cross, because I've seen, I've heard both sides of the argument. Interesting. Okay. Um, I think, if I, if I may synthesize this for yeah, a second. Yeah, no, please. I think what it is, is people, the reason that people say that you shouldn't give notes to your fellow cast members is because people don't know the manner in which that it is productive to go about giving notes. And I think that manner is... Uh, Stating how you felt during something, mm-hmm. stating if you were confused during something, and stating on what you think the entire group could work on. That that keeps you outside the realm of you should have done this or you should have made this choice, which isn't helpful because it's already happened. So this it, should yeah. have, yeah, isn't. But I think it like the idea that you 
can't give each other notes is entirely to circumvent that, which I think is circumventable by just stating it. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, exactly. And, like, God, I, and, I, and this is, like, one of my largest pet peeves in improv is that you, you're not, like, you trust your scene partner. You should. Yeah. Fucking should. Yeah. You trust your scene partner enough to be on stage with you. Why don't you trust them enough to give you a note? And like, what, like, what, what is it about that? And I feel like, I mean, a lot of improvisers are theater people. Yeah. And so you, if you go back to the model of theater with like the very hierarchical, like director on top or like the playwright and the director and the producers and designers and whatever and actors on the bottom. And so you're used to having one person who everyone looks at and respects gives notes. And that is the director of the play. Which is so different than an artistic director. Are you kidding me? No! Like an artistic director is just trying to make an organization go a certain way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. A director, yeah. that's their fucking job. Like if, if you are a director and an artistic director, then you're a director. Yeah. In a project. I see. Like you're not like, yes, the artistic director is the director, but like being a director supersedes being the artistic director because suddenly you are the person who has to direct the shit. Yeah. You know, as opposed to like in an improv in Dead Parrots, when I was AD, I was never the director. Like I was never like, no, 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 go back and do that thing again because it's fucking improv and you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> but when, when we're sitting in a circle after a show or after, you know, and we're getting ready to compete, having a single vision is important, yes. But also, like, respecting your collaborators. And that's, I think, honestly, like, if you could boil down my artistic directorial philosophy, it's respecting your collaborators. That's, yeah. It is you, like, sure, like, maybe you are leading this group of people. And leading in only the fact that, like, when decisions have to be made, fucking make them. Just, like, go and just, like, keep going forward bureaucracy can tie up a lot of shit, but you're there because you love these people. You want to be a part of these people, like this, this organization. Hopefully. <laughs> exactly. I mean, in, in, and I, I honestly, I don't know if I would ever be an artistic director of a group of people I didn't love. Yeah, no, that's, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. So yeah. You have to have that passion. Oh my God. To, like, want to lift these people up. Yeah, because I, I can see, like, going into an artistic directorial position of, like, a theater because the theater is prestigious. Or, like, because, oh, my God, I will be brought up so much. Yeah. But, like, what? There, there are so many people involved. Whenever there's an artistic director, that means so many things. That means there's, like, production director, business director. I mean, mm -hmm. there's a, a group of people. There, it means that, like... This organization cares enough about where it's going yeah, to have someone they trust lead it there. But it also means that there are enough people involved in this organization that, like, they feel like they need one. And when you have that many people, like, fucking know them. Fucking, like, they are your... Like, it, it, it goes beyond... Your organization, or whatever that is, these are these are your friends. These are your family. This is these like this is your team, you know. Like this is your Dragon Ball Z squad. Yeah. This is your fucking uh, like together. You are Captain Planet. 
Yeah, the- <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. And if you don't love them, then you don't trust them. And if you don't trust them, that shit translates to the stage. And then the audience sees that. And the audience doesn't have the best time they could possibly have. And you don't have the best time you could possibly have. And then you just get in this whole little snowballing dance of misery. (laughs) Yes. I mean, and this is all under the guise of... I was an artistic director in college. Yeah. Where money is such a different thing. Yeah. Because you don't get it. (laughs) Well, you don't get it, but you don't need it. Yeah, yeah, okay. You know, exactly, like, yeah. like the, the resources required. So, like, an artistic director of a theater, I was, like, talking about Les Waters at Actors Theater, and he was just in meetings all the time trying to get donors. Yeah. And that is the reality of a lot of artistic directors in nonprofits or starting small businesses or whatever. Like, they are, like, the sexy, yeah. like, cool person that, like, you get a board of directors together, you get like a development event, people who are like, hey, I've got some money to give. It's like, let me talk to you about where we're going. And yeah. You almost, they, they almost turn to like the human representation of the theater. Yes. Itself. Oh my God. Absolutely. Yeah. And you have like, <laughs> well, I mean like it's so different than my experience, but at Actors Theater, there were like huge billboards of Les all around town. Well, yeah, that's weird. And like, it was his face and it was like, Wow, like you are the organization, and when it gets to that level, it's like fuck. Like you, you've got so much to do. But the cool thing was, he still learned all of our names. Like he still yeah. hung out with us. And, like he, he, he really embodied to me what it means to be an artistic director, which is to make sure the organization stays afloat, make sure that it is going in a relevant artistic direction. Read the news, watch yeah. new plays. Understand your audience. Exactly. Well, understand like what it means to be an artist in today's day and age. Like, we're not just get, doing it for money. Yeah. I mean, maybe you are. And in which case, like, why are you in the arts? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, if, like, make enough money to survive, but also, you know, just recognize the humanity... Of the people that are your quote-unquote resources. Mm-hmm. You know, like, volunteers in any organization. People who fucking work the desk day in and day out. Like, people who do the lights. People who, you know, make the sets. Like, people who aren't going to get the pomp and circumstance that they deserve because they're backstage jobs, they are, you know, solitary workers or whatever, like, every single fucking person of an organization is integral to that organization. Like, they they make it happen. Um, And so I, I guess my philosophy would just be to, like, learn everyone's favorite food, and when it comes down to it, when it's their birthday, go out with them, have their favorite food, like, just do, like, make it, you know, like, don't forget that these are people. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's easy to. It's easy to within the, the mechanization of, like, being within a theater entity. Oh, totally. Yeah. Which is so fucking backwards. Yeah, yeah it's like the opposite it's, of everything well, that... And that's why I left New York is because I realized that, like, as far as a art form that can be so socially conscious and so cutting edge in terms of, like, the new... Uh, like social constructs and ways that people want to be identified and ways that people should be identified and all of this stuff it is the most motherfucking backwards organization as far as yeah. like casting 
like just like oh hey uh you you have a last name that's a little arabic like you're gonna be a terrorist it's like it's 2017 that still happens all the fucking time yeah like until i i i don't know that's that's another that's another can of worms yeah that's another like going into the idea of representation and we're definitely like right on the end (laughs) yes yes (laughs) of uh of this podcast so i'll I'll let this little drift to the the, there's another can of worms that we could open but um but we are at the end of the podcast uh zach do you have any plugs for the listener if they're trying to like find something or do something or find you oh yeah yeah. no they want to find you (laughs) uh if you want to find me come at me bro yeah uh, if, if you don't want to find me, don't come out of ground. And, uh, so I, actually, I just got hired on as a member of Jet City Improv. Oh, congratulations, I but, didn't know that. Yeah, awesome. thank you very much. Yeah, that just recently happened, so, uh, it's like, what, four, five, in, in some time, in a month or two, uh, come on down to Jet City Improv on University Way, to the big yellow building, and maybe you'll see me perform some, some little short form improv there. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, okay, and I like to end my podcast with this. Can you give one recommendation of anything at all? It could be like a movie, a book, a, a, a tropical storm, alcoholic drink. <laughs> <laughs> okay, on the real, real uh, for for you meat eaters out there. Okay, you go, you get yourself to like a safe way to an Albertans. I don't care what Northwestern or whatever. Hagen. I mean, I don't, I don't give a shit about what uh, grocery store you're going to. You get yourself a rotisserie chicken, and you know where they are. You get yourself an eight-pack, 16, if you're worldly, of King's Hawaiian Rolls. All right? You you tear that chicken off the rotis out of that little, out of that bowl. You put it on the King's Hawaiian Roll. You put a little mayonnaise. You put a little salt, pepper. Uh, that's where I stop, but other more, more daring folk may go pickles, more spices, maybe like a veggie concoction. Mm-hmm. These sliders are gonna are gonna change your fucking world. Um, <laughs> so that's what I recommend. I recommend doing just that. Just those sliders. Yes. All right. <laughs> Um, perfect. You can find this, uh, and everything about me at my website, jacobalexanderford.com. This is on Facebook. This is on SoundCloud. This Mm. is on iTunes. Mm. Uh, and most importantly of all, listener, thank you so much for listening. And I hope the rest of your day is absolutely wonderful.